we have been um, working our way through here we go, a series on um, core values and what kinds of things uh, are hidden uh, or, or that we often don't talk about um, guiding our faith and practice and life uh, here at, at Spring Creek. Um, and so we've been kind of looking at these, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't put it in the bulletin yet. I'll, I'll get it, try and get it in there next week. We've been kind of quizzing uh, you. Um, we have three core statements that, that we've been trying to repeat. Um, that first one is, Jesus is the center of our faith. faith. All right, we're, we're catching on. All right. If you haven't been here for a while, uh, or, or this is your first Sunday, um, we've been working through this, so we're trying to get to the point where we remember these. Jesus is the center of our faith. Community is the center of our life. Good. And we are starting to talk about how reconciliation is the center of our work. Now, this uh, word reconciliation, oftentimes, um, you know, we are Spring Creek Church of the Brethren. Church of the Brethren is, is an Anabaptist group. And Anabaptists go back to 1525 as kind of the established date of the beginning of the Radical Reformation group that forms the Anabaptists. We're part of that group. Um, Alexander Mack, who will meet later this fall, um, kind of meet um, later this fall, uh, came about 200 years after that first group of radical reformers um, kind of said, uh, there's some parts of the faith that, that we think we need to kind of get straight with, um, how we need to uh, voluntarily come uh, and commit to uh, following Jesus, and we need to take the words and the teachings of Jesus' uh, life uh, seriously. We need to incorporate this into the way that we go about living our own lives. And they started to push back against some of the uh, established church practices, both um, both Roman Catholic practices and some of the, the Protestant reformers and, and the way that they were going about things, uh, Anabaptists said, wait, uh, I think we need to uh, talk about some of this stuff. And um, we have often used the word in, around Spring Creek and um, in the Church of the Brethren and the largest, larger Anabaptist movement uh, as a whole, we use the word peace a lot. Um, and, and sometimes when we talk about peace, it can become one of those things that you say the word so much that you're not quite sure what it means anymore because we've said it and repeated it so many times. And so um, we're going to kind of take a, a, a hint here from uh, Palmer Becker who writes a book called Anabaptist Essentials. And rather than using the word peace, he talks about the practice of reconciliation. And he does that for a number of reasons. He's trying to take um, some of the, the things that we've often called evangelism, which is um, sharing the good news uh, of the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which we've talked about here at Spring Creek too, is, is both the words we say, but also the, the, the way that we go about living our lives. And so evangelism is kind of a, a broad uh, thing, but we've often talked about sharing our faith as evangelism and we might talk about uh, the expression of our faith as um, service or uh, works of justice or um, 
using uh, terms like that. And in the, in the way we talk about reconciliation, it's trying to bring those together, uh, to talk about individuals being reconciled to God, to talking about the community, community of faith being reconciled with one another, and broader beyond the community of faith, the way we work at attempting to reconcile larger issues in the world around us. And so rather than using the word peace, um, he tries to use this word uh, reconciliation. Another word that we've often used is the word shalom, which we often translate as peace, but it, it carries that larger sense of wholeness, uh, of, of things being right, the way they're meant to be, uh, which carries connotations of, of justice, but, but uh, being at peace with one another in our relationships. It's, it's a big word, and this word reconciliation is a, a big word um, because it's got to carry a, a lot of weight, and so we're going to be using that word. Uh, this morning. Today we're focusing on what reconciliation means between individuals and God. And in the coming weeks we'll look at what reconciliation means, again, between the community of God and uh, our work of reconciliation beyond the community of faith. But as we take a look at this, this passage... Uh, written by Paul uh, that talks about the ministry of reconciliation uh, and what that means for our individual lives and our life with God. Uh, Would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here this morning be pleasing to you, O Lord. Would you speak through me or despite me? In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by asking a question. What does the word reconciliation mean? It's like this big, long, kind of theological word. What does it mean? Balancing. Balancing. I I knew it was going to come from a financial person. I knew it was going to come from a financial person because about the only way in our modern usage where we use the word reconciling anymore seems to be when we're reconciling a checkbook. For those of you like under 30, there used to be these things called checkbooks and you'd go through. Now the bank just does it for you on the app. I get it. I understand. That's how I operate too. Um, But yeah, reconciling tends to be in our modern world, the only way we really tend to use that is in making sure that the statement the bank sends us, or however we get that, uh, matches up with what we think we've spent um, working through our, our checkbook or our, you know, credit card statement and reconciling those things, making sure they're balanced. What else does reconciliation, what kind of pictures or other words does that bring to mind? Making things right. Making things right. Reclaiming relationships. Reclaiming relationships. Uh, coming to an agreement. Uh, coming to an agreement, okay. Forgiving and accepting. Forgiving and accepting. 
Okay, so it has to do with renewing our relationship with God. Okay, yeah, so we're, we're getting to the different parts of what that re- word reconciliation means, uh, maybe to be made right or to have relationship uh, restored. We have a word, another word in the church for reconciliation between individuals and God. And we call that word, or that word is salvation. When we are uh, made right, put into right relationship with God, that's uh, a way of talking about salvation. We're brought back into that right relationship with God through the life, death, resurrection, and kingship or lordship of Jesus. We can call that salvation, being saved, rescued, reconciled with God. Uh, Again, Palmer Becker uh, says, Anabaptists have understood salvation in terms of reconciliation and transformation. Reconciliation and transformation. To be saved means to be reconciled to God and God's family. And as we are reconciled to God, as known in Christ and Christ's body, we are transformed in how we think, feel, and and act. And so there's kind of two parts to what this salvation means. It means being reconciled, uh, made right, put into right relationship, um, all, all the, the forgiveness and, and, and uh, balanced and all of those kinds of connotations to reconciliation, but also of being transformed. And so we teach that salvation or being reconciled with God comes through confession and repentance, confessing that we've messed things up, we've made a a mess of our relationship between ourselves and God. And uh, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, the the boys had asked me, um, what would have happened if Adam never would have sinned? Um, would, Would they still be living? And I said, no, because they'd have messed it up somewhere else. And we would have messed it up somewhere else, right? Um, we all have that same propensity that, that Adam and Eve had in, in the garden to choose to do things on our own, uh, to choose to define good and, and bad for ourselves. Uh, we all have that kind of uh, propensity uh, within ourselves. And so we'd all mess it up and we all do mess up our relationship between us and God. So repentance is about asking for forgiveness which good news, Jesus is always about forgiving, and so we don't have to ask for something that uh, Jesus isn't there waiting and ready and just, you know, waiting to say, yes, you are forgiven, uh, child, and you are loved, uh, you are, are welcomed. And so we, we uh, go about our repentance. Uh, real confession and repentance is then about aligning our lives towards the goal of living out that forgiveness. Let me say that again. Real confession and repentance is about aligning our lives towards the goal of living out that forgiveness. And with our kids, this may surprise some of you. Uh, Others of you will go, yeah, we know that. Um, With our own kids, uh, sometimes they fight and argue. Maybe your own kids did that. Uh, And you have them come and you apologize and make up, but then you hope and and want them to hope and, uh, and make an effort not to go back to the way of acting over and over again. Right? Some I see some parents like, nodding. Maybe you're nodding about that with my own kids. Maybe you're nodding about that with your own kids. Um, 
We, we want them to make a change and to go about living their lives in a different way. We want that reconciliation that we've asked them to make to make a difference in the way that they go about living their lives. And so our confession and our repentance with Jesus is then meant to make an impact on the way we go about living day in and day out. And that's that transformation part. Salvation leads to transformation. Sometimes it seems as though we in the church uh, talk about salvation as the, the end goal of Christian faith. We repent, and we confess, we say a prayer, and sometimes we say, off you go. But salvation and transformation is not, hey Jesus, uh, I messed up, are we good, you know, fist bumps and go on your way, Right? But that is meant to our confession, our repentance, our acknowledgement of God's um, grace and mercy and love displayed through Jesus in his life, his death and resurrection. That is meant to have an impact, a deep impact on the way you and I go about living our lives so that we live in a transformed way. God changes us into what we were meant to be. <clears throat> Paul's uh, letter to Corinth, recorded in 2 Corinthians that, that we heard a part of this morning, talks about that transformation. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Or Some translations just say, if anyone is in Christ... There, that person living, dwelling in relationship with Christ, that is new creation. When we see and experience someone committed to following Jesus, living in those transformed ways, we can say, there's a glimpse. There's a little bit of that new creation. And you and I have an opportunity, an invitation to all participate in that unfolding, unveiling of new creation. The whole of Scripture is on pointing out how the entire cosmos is on a trajectory towards new creation. That means humans, you and I, on a trajectory towards a new creation, being a part of, of God's uh, new humans. Our, the nature around us on a trajectory of, uh, of being new heavens and new earth, everything being made new. Civilization, the city, despite appearances to the contrary, the end of the story is renewed, restored, new heavens and new earth. Recreated, restored, redeemed, reconciled humans in a city with flowing rivers, with the tree of life in a, a, a renewed city with gates that never close. And God, as king, light giver, in the middle, illuminating it all. We catch a glimpse of that new creation when someone is reconciled to God and living or abiding, dwelling in Christ. 
living is... Um, the New Testament writers are tapping into some Old Testament uh, images of God dwelling with, staying with, tenting with His people. We are meant to live and abide, to dwell with, to, to be under the canopy, under the tent of God, and to stay there close in deep relationship with God. And allowing the Spirit to transform the way that we think and feel and live. The ministry of reconciliation then is given to those reconciled new human beings who are living, abiding, dwelling in Christ. And we get to live as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, bearing the good news of the kingdom to the world around us. We get to cooperate with God's work through allowing the Spirit to move in our, in our lives, the, kind of the old way that um, some folks in the church used to talk about that is yielding to the Spirit, allowing the Spirit to come and to move and to direct. I think about it maybe as uh, an actor in a, a musical or, or a movie uh, that is participating in uh, the unfolding of the vision that the director has. The director sees uh, the, the, the big scope of things and, and how the director wants this story to unfold. And we get to act in that, to be participants in how that vision comes uh, to fruition by yielding, by, by allowing the director's vision to, to take priority and precedence. And you and I get to act in that drama taking direction from the Spirit. What does it mean to be, then, to be transformed? To be changed? I think sometimes uh, being changed, that word <clears throat> change, is something that is very countercultural because no one wants to be changed. In fact, uh, we're constantly being told that we're enough in and of ourselves, completely by ourselves, we're enough. Or we say things like, don't let them change you. Or we take pride in not being changed. Now listen, we need to encourage positive self-esteem. That we are each uh, loved and cherished by God simply because we are created in the image of God. And all of us, have incredible uh, worth to God. But we all have uh, our, our foibles. We all have uh, goofed up the image of God. We all have our hang-ups. We all have our baggage. And so none of us are completely as we were meant to be. Um, we all bear the image of God but we are called to be transformed and to bear the image of Christ. All of us need to be transformed into what we were meant to be. So being transformed into the image of Christ means living in the way or the pattern of Christ. Again, Jesus is the center of what it's all about. Jesus is Lord. We talked about that several weeks ago. 
If you weren't here, uh, go back and check our YouTube page and you can look back through some sermons and find a sermon on Jesus is Lord. But we are called to be transformed into the image of Christ and living in the way of Jesus, living in the, the pattern of Christ. And listen, that is not about following a law. There's an old uh, Anabaptist, Pilgrim Marpeck, who said, law is not capable of changing the heart. Only God and God's gracious spirit can do that. And so we don't change, uh, we don't uh, live in the way of Jesus because a law says we have to. But because this is the way that you and I were meant to live from the very beginning. And so we allow God's Spirit to move and transform our lives. That old uh, Hebrew word that I said back at the beginning, that uh, word shalom, is is wholeness. Uh, uh, It's the way we're meant to be, uh, like I said, from, from the very beginning. And we have an opportunity to live in that way. We're invited to live in more holistic peaceful, reconciled ways with Jesus and the community of Jesus, living in countercultural or uh, sometimes the word we use is non-conforming ways. That comes because of changed lives, not because we have to uphold some list of rules, but because it is a better way to live, because it's the way that Jesus shows us how to live. When we allow the Spirit to move in and through us and transform us and to renew us and to recreate us in the image of Christ, we begin to find that those are just better ways to go about living life. Being reconciled with God, being reconciled with others around us. So we are transformed to think like Christ, to feel like Christ, and to act like Christ. One person says that we become like student teachers as we study the life, teachings, and ministry of Jesus. We begin thinking like Jesus, and then we relate to family, friends, and neighbors. We begin to teach what we have learned. We're always learning. We're always growing and learning and growing as we pass that on to others. We never completely have it figured out. We're always learning and growing uh, in the way of Jesus, learning what that means. But then we have an opportunity to pass that on, to share that reconciliation, to share that wholeness, to share that, that way of peace, to share those, those ways of shalom with those around us, to participate in that ministry of reconciliation with those around us. So we get to live and act as student teachers. We get to live and act as forgiven reconcilers. We had read from Ephesians 4 a couple of weeks ago where we're called to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Remember that we are all still students learning what it means to live reconciled with Christ and others, but each of us has been forgiven. Sometimes we 
uh, and when I say we, I'm talking about we in the church, sometimes go around as though we have it all figured out and have it all together. We have been forgiven. And we get to announce forgiveness to others. We have been reconciled, and so we get to uh, announce and extend that reconciliation to others because we know firsthand what that forgiveness and that reconciliation looks like. So we need to make sure that we don't act like we have it all together. Allow the Spirit to form the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Allow the Spirit to build those in each of us so that we extend that to others. And then also to become servant leaders, learning to use our gifts, our abilities to lift others up. Listen, the ministry of reconciliation begins with individuals being reconciled to God. To hear and to see the story of Jesus' life and his teachings, his death, his resurrection. To understand how that has made reconciliation with God uh, possible. And then out of those restored relationships with the Holy God through the Word made flesh and empowered by the Helper Spirit, saved from the mess that we've made of things, saved and transformed to live in peace with God in shalom or wholeness or reconciled ways. As we have been reconciled, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to breathe new creation life into us, that we may carry that ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about. As we have been reconciled, we get to carry that ministry on to others. To announce that forgiveness and reconciliation, that peace, that wholeness, that uh, shalom life, we get to extend that to others. So we pray for the Holy Spirit to continue to transform and work in each of our lives and then in our life as a community of faith. This morning, we want to continue to pray for that um, as the Spirit moves in our lives. And so I'm going to invite you to turn in the blue hymnal to number, number 365 as we sing together, Breathe on me, breath of God, which is, uh, is a prayer that the Spirit would be moving, transforming, continuing that reconciling work in each of us, that as we go about our lives, we may extend that reconciliation to those around us. Would you stand as you're able as we sing that together?